Well, on this last day of the year 2014, boy, it's really gone by, hasn't it? I mean, for me, for some of us, it's been a slow year. Uh, For some of us, it's flown by. I know for me, I kind of feel like the older you get, the faster you get older. (laughs) I don't know if anybody has has felt like that, but uh, it seems like that for me. I just, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, just became a teenager, I wanted to be 16. You know, I couldn't wait till I was 18, and it just seemed like it would never come. And then I couldn't wait till I was 21 and 25, and then all of a sudden, 30 came and 40, and, you know, the time just goes by. And uh, the Bible says that we should redeem the time because the days are evil. Make the most of every day. And so this morning, uh, I just want to exhort you a little bit, uh, just just an exhortation this morning from the subject, remember to forget. Remember to forget. Someone once said, you have to forget what's gone appreciate what remains, and then look forward to what's coming next, right? Forget what's gone, appreciate what remains, and look forward to what is coming next. I'm reminded of a story of a young boy who went out to play, and uh, he was by himself, uh, and he, you know, he grabbed his, his baseball cap, grabbed his bat, and his ball, and he went out to the field to play one Saturday morning. And uh, all the while he was going out there, he was saying to himself, I'm the greatest batter in the world. I'm the greatest batter in the world. He had a positive attitude. So he got out to the field and he threw the ball up in the air. And he said, I'm the greatest batter in the world. And he went and he swung at the ball and he missed. And he said, strike one. But he said, you know, that's okay. He picked up the ball. He kind of examined the ball a little bit, make sure it was okay. And he said to himself, I'm the greatest batter in the world. He threw the ball up in the air, swung again as he said it again. I'm the greatest batter in the world. Swung and he missed again. Strike two. Well, this time he examined his bat, make sure there weren't any holes in it, you know, make sure it was okay. And, uh, but he wasn't deterred. So for the third time, he grabbed his ball, grabbed his bat, threw it up in the air, swung, and he missed for a third time. Strike three. Now, to most young boys, this would discourage them. But this young boy just took a step back and said, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. I can really pitch. (laughs) You know, I think that moving forward in life, you know, I know we're transitioning into a new year here, but... It could be any part of the year. I think that sometimes moving forward in life successfully really depends on our perspective, doesn't it? It really depends on our perspective of where we are and what's going on. Same situation, but two people could see the same situation so differently, right? And it depends on our perspective. I think that it also depends on our ability sometimes to forget, If you look at Isaiah chapter 65, and I'm going to look at a few different scriptures this morning on this subject, but Isaiah chapter 55 in verse 16 says this, says, because he who is blessed in the earth will be blessed by the God of truth. Come on. He's the God of truth this morning. And he who swears in the earth will swear by the God of truth. 
Why? Because God says this to you this morning. Take this personally. Because the former troubles are forgotten. Come on. And because they are not only forgotten, but they're hidden from my sight. The formal, former troubles are forgotten and they are hidden from my sight. Now this is the Lord speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And so I don't know about you, but some of us have had some troubles in 2014. Some of us have gone through some peaks and some valleys. Some of us have had some highs and some lows. We've had peaches and cream. Never peaches and cream together, but someday peaches, someday cream. Right? We've had good times. We've had times where we've struggled. But God would say to us today that the former troubles are forgotten. They are hidden from his sight. Turn back to chapter 43 and see what God is saying to us. Because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from his sight, Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verse 18, he says this, and I really would like for us to take this to heart. I'm going to take it to heart this morning. He's saying this to us. He's saying, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Now, you notice what he didn't say in this verse of Scripture here. Before he told us that the former troubles are forgotten, they're wiped away from my mind. And now God is telling us, do not call to mind the former things. Notice he doesn't in this verse say, don't call to mind the former things that were trouble. Don't call to mind or ponder the things where you struggled this past year. He just simply says, do not call to mind the former things, good and bad. It's not that we don't need to remember some of the successes that we had. But if you ponder on those things, and if you stay right there in that thing, you'll never go forward. You'll always be reveling in your success of 2014. And then he definitely says, don't ponder and don't remember the struggles and the failures that you've had in 2014. In other words, put it in your rear view. Put it in your rear view mirror. And now, saints, it's time to move forward. Well, there are three things I believe that we have to do in order to move forward in God. How many want to move forward this morning? I don't know about you, but... You know, I, my mom used to have a saying, you know, when we would, we would get on her nerves, you know, she would say, I'm sick and tired of you, you know, getting on my nerves. Sick and tired. I like what Bill Cosby said one time. He said his mother said that so much that one day he finished the sentence for her. She said, you know what, I'm sick, he said, and tired. And it was the worst whipping he ever got from his mom. Because <laughs> you don't finish mom's sentences, come on. But now, you know what? Some of us need to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of being in the same place. Sick and tired of making the same mistake over and over again. Sick and tired of being in that same place, whether it's financially, whether it's in a relationship, whatever it is in your life, health-wise, come on now. We're tired of that. Now, God is telling us, I'm about to catapult you into a new thing. 2015 is something that we've never seen before. 
Oh, come on now. It's the unknown. And in order to accomplish that, in order to get on that road to success and actually achieve what God has placed there for us, I believe there are three things that we're going to have to do. Three things that are vital. First one is what he just told us, forgetting your past. We must forget about it. (laughs) Come on, we've got to forget it. We can't revel in it. We can't continue to look backward. Memories, you know, humans are unique creatures in that God gave us the ability to not only remember, but remember vividly. And we must understand that your memories can be your friend or your enemy. Your enemies, your, your, your memories can be your enemy if you just continue to allow that thing to control you. I don't know about you, but I've been in a place sometimes where it seems like the enemy would just bring up something, some mistake I made. And it may have been years ago. Nobody is thinking about this mistake at all but me. And now to me, I'm, you know, it embarrasses me and I think about it. And I, then I start to think, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And next thing you know, I've spent two hours thinking about this mistake and how things could be different if I didn't do this particular thing. Meanwhile, life is going on. You just lost two hours of your life reveling in some old mistake. And God is saying, forget your past. Don't allow your memories to be your enemy. You remember the apostle Paul, how great he was. Wrote most of the New Testament. Come on. He was a missionary. He planted churches. He did all sorts of things for God. He was a great prayer. Come on, he laid hands. He was a healer, had healing in his hands. He was a great orator. He was a great man for God. But we also know that Paul had a dreadful past. And it could have easily haunted him for the rest of his life. If he would have allowed it to. Oh, you don't believe me? Come on, he persecuted the church. The church of Jesus Christ. I mean, he killed Christians. He used his authority to kill Christians. By his own admission, he said, I am the chief sinner. I'm not just a sinner. I am the chief sinner until he was changed. And now he can look back and say, I was (laughs) the chief sinner. He could have walked around all his life with his tremendous guilt crippling him and we he would have never become the great apostle that we know him to be or the great missionary that we know him to be see he wasn't into dwelling on the past many people dwell on their past failures and their past mistakes and it spiritually paralyzes you when you do that you're unable listen you're unable to live productively for god when you dwell on your past mistakes And Paul is telling us that we can turn our past sins and our past failures over to God and start moving forward for what lies ahead. Paul is telling us that our greatest glory is not in never failing, but our greatest glory is in the ability to get up every single time and move forward. Our greatest glory is not in that we never stumble, that we never make a mistake, but our greatest glory is that we get up, dust ourselves off, and keep on going. 
That's our greatest glory. Come on, we failed many times. You may be one that thinks that you never failed. Well, guess what? You have failed. We may not remember it. We may not realize it. But I'll bet most of us fell down the first time we tried to walk. Most of us felt as though we were going to drown the first time we jumped into a pool to learn how to swim. Do you realize that past failures can absolutely cripple us? Or they can be the catalyst to a bright future. Babe Ruth, the great baseball player, pastor knows him well. He, uh, he struck out over 1,300 times. You realize that? Struck out 1,300. That's a lot of times to strike out. But he also hit 714 home runs. You think when he came up to bat, he dwelled on the last time he struck out? Because if you do that, then you're coming up in fear. Oh, I know I struck out. I struck out 10 times in a row. I don't think I can do that. No, he's saying, listen, I've hit 500 home runs. I know I can hit a home run. Come on, pitch the ball. I'm ready. And that's the attitude that we have to have. R.H. Macy, the founder of Macy's Department Store, failed seven times in trying to start a department store before his New York department store finally caught on. Now, how many would keep going after two, three, four failures? Some would say, listen, I don't think this is for you. Maybe you miss God. Maybe you need to pray again and figure out what it is that God wants you to do because obviously it's not opening department stores. He said, no, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Thus, we have Macy's to many ladies' delight. (laughs) Amen. But we can't allow ourselves to become obsessed with our failures. Come on now. We're all still... Uh, perfect creatures inside of this imperfect flesh if you've been born again come on because anyone who's in Christ is a new creature but like Paul said who will deliver me from this body of death until that day comes the struggle will be there we must overcome the flesh listen in the Nike advertisement some years ago Commercial came on the TV, and you didn't see anyone in particular. It was just the Nike logo, but you heard a voice, and it came over the television and said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my life. I've lost almost 300 career games. 26 times over my career, I was trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I failed. Over and over and over again, I failed in my life, and that is why I succeed. This came from Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest basketball player or athlete to ever play professional sports. God once told the prophet Jeremiah that he, God, would one day establish a new covenant with his people. And when he did, he said this in Jeremiah 31, 34, he said, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And when Jesus died on the cross, the fulfillment of that prophecy came to pass. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Then let me ask you a question. Why do we remember it? If he gives us the ability to go to him, to repent now, realize it, Lord, 
I've fallen short. And we repent before him. And then he says, you're forgiven. The work is already done on the cross. Why do we allow the enemy or our own flesh or our own mind to continue to bring these things up in our mind? It prevents us from moving forward. Since that day on the cross, God's forgiveness is so complete that it is forgetfulness. If we have been washed in the blood of Christ, folks, God has forgotten all of our failures and all of our sins. It's time that we forget them as well and let's move forward. We have a new opportunity, a fresh new chance. That's one of the things. I know it's very, very, very cliche. But it's one of the things that I always enjoy about the end of the year and a new year coming. You know, with all the celebration and I know people make New Year's resolutions and all of these types of things. Why do you think they do that? Because it's just a symbolic opportunity for a new start. I mean, really, really, it's just another day. I mean, one day goes by and another day comes. You know, it's not any other day. Only we have put a time to it. But it gives us an opportunity for a new start. New, new attitude. That's where it starts. New mindset. Fresh new start. Let's follow Paul's example here. Forgetting those things which are behind us. And the first principle that Paul is teaching us and God is teaching us is forgetting the past. The second one is simply this. Focus on your priority. Focus on your priority. This one Thing. Listen to Philippians chapter 3. You know it very well, but listen to it again. 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. In other words, the King James says, apprehending it. I have not apprehended that which has apprehended me. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what's ahead. I press on toward the goal, press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul introduced that statement there in verse 13 with this. He said, but this one thing I do. Now, Paul obviously did more than one thing. Come on. He made tents. He was a tent maker. He preached sermons. He planted churches. He wrote books and he did many other things. He did a lot of things. But what he is telling us is that what we're going to have to do is prioritize in life. And what we need to prioritize is pressing toward the mark. This one thing I do. Paul is saying I run straight toward that goal to win the prize that God has for me. God's heavenly call offers us in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's number one priority is the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. He was running straight toward that goal and he wasn't going to let anything deter or distract him from it. You know, Jesus told us very plainly, very plainly in Matthew 6.33. After he had gone through a bunch of things in Matthew chapter 6. And it came down to this. He said, but out of all these things, all of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. One of the easiest scriptures for us to quote, 
one of the easiest scriptures for us to preach, one of the easiest scriptures for us to say amen to, one of the most difficult scriptures for us to live. But seek you first the kingdom of heaven, God's way of doing things. In everything that we do, when you get up in the morning, the first thing on our mind should be the kingdom of heaven. Not our bills, not any gifts that we're going to receive today, not our job, not the person that gets on our nerves, not even how tired we are. Come on. The kingdom of God. That's what God says. Jesus told us that. Paul told us that. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's the illustration here called the jar. You've heard this before, most of you, but I think it illustrates the point beautifully. There is an expert on the subject of time management that was speaking to a group of business students. It's a true story. And after speaking to them for a while, he said, okay, listen, it's time for a quiz. And he set a one-gallon wide mouth mason jar on the table in front of him. Okay, And then he produced about a dozen tennis ball-sized rocks. And he carefully placed them one at a time into the jar. When the jar was filled to the top and no more rocks would fit inside, he asked the students, is the jar full? And everyone in the class said, yes, the jar is full. Really, he said. Then he reached under the table, pulled out a bucket of small gravel. He dumped some gravel into the jar and then he shook it, shook that gravel in there. It caused the pieces of gravel to work themselves down into the spaces between the big rocks. Then he smiled and he asked his students once more, is the jar full? Well, by this time, obviously, they started to catch on to what he was doing and said, probably not. Good, he replied. Then he reached under the table and brought out a bucket of sand. Yes. (laughs) And he brought out that sand. He started dumping that sand in and he filled up all the spaces between the rocks and the gravel. And he asked once more, is the jar full? No, the class shouted. They didn't even look at it. They just knew he was tricking them. So, no, it's not full, they shouted. And again, he said, good. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water. And he poured it into the jar until it was full to the brim. And then he looked back at the class and he said, all right, class, what is the point of this illustration? One eager student raised his hand and said, the point is that no matter how full your schedule gets, if you really try hard, you can always fit something else in. And he said, no, no, (laughs) that is not the point of my illustration here. The point is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. If you fill up your life with all the small things, all the sand and all the gravel and all the menial things, you'll never get in the big stuff that's really important. The big rocks represented the important stuff. And he's saying, put those in first. You'll always have time for the other menial things. In other words, keep the main thing the main thing. Come on now. Keep the kingdom of God first. Well, I know. I know I need to go to church. I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to pray. I know I should be participating in something at church. But, you know, I just got these other things to do. Come on. This is what he's talking about. And you do all these other things. Now you can't fit the big rocks in your life. The thing that sustains you. The life of God. 
Drawing closer to God through worship. Spending time with Him in prayer and seeking His guidance for your life by reading His Word. These should be some of the big rocks in your jar. If you are considering resolutions for the new year, let me make a couple of suggestions. Other than lose a little weight and eat better, come on. Here are a couple of suggestions. Set aside 30 minutes out of your day to read your Bible and pray. There's a thought. Well, if I get everything else done, I'll I'll do that. We're talking about priorities here. Second one is determined to be more involved in God's work. Out of all the things in the world to be involved in, we feel such a responsibility to. Determine in your heart to be a little bit more involved in the work of the Lord, what he wants you to do. If you don't know what that is, pray. Right? And that old joke now, if you don't feel led, grab a pencil. Write on your hand. If you feel led. Find out what it is God wants you to do. And be a little more involved in your local church. (laughs) By that I mean attending church and finding works of God to be involved with. You know, it's sad, saints, but it is a true fact that many Christians do not make God's work a priority in their life. You know, there will be generally one-third fewer Christians lifting their voices at midweek services or Sunday night services for those churches who have those or uh, even prayer and Bible studies than those who attend a Sunday morning service. Those who feel that they are doing their spiritual duty by going to church once a week, punching their spiritual time clock and not seeking his kingdom first. If we intend on pressing toward the mark to win the prize that God's heavenly call offers us, then we need to make God and his kingdom the top priority in our life. Focus on your priority. There's just one more principle that Paul offers us for the new year, which is this. Function in the present. Boy, this is a big one. Function in the present. You know, someday never comes, it seems like. Always someday. I'll go back to school someday. That was my cry for many years until my wife finally hit me upside the head and said, well, go back to school already. (laughs) Just do it. Because we always say someday. Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Notice that Paul did not say one thing I will do. He didn't say one thing I'm going to do or one thing I will get around to do someday. He said, this one thing I do. You ever looked at it like that? This one, not one thing I'm going to do, but this one thing I do. Paul was living in the present. Many people today try to live in the future. Do you know what the busiest day in the world is going to be? It's not Christmas. You would think it would be. It's not the day after Thanksgiving. The busiest day in the world is going to be someday. Whenever that day comes, everybody's going to be doing everything that day. Someday. I can't wait for someday. Everyone in the world has something scheduled for someday. 
You hear people all the time saying, someday I'm going to do this. Someday I'm going to do that. Problem is, someday is not on the calendar. It's just not there. Have you checked it lately? I don't see. I, I see Box Day in Canada, Queen's Day, Columbus Day, but I don't see someday. It will never come. Paul is the ultimate example of living each and every day to the fullest, living each day as if it were your last. For example, when he was imprisoned in Rome, he didn't sit there stewing, thinking about all of the things he would do when he got out of jail. You know what he did? He wrote letters right then to churches. He lived in the present. He sang praises to God and even converted some of the people who had put him in jail. Paul used every day to the fullest. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do you love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff that life is made of. Think about that. If you love life, don't squander time, because that's what life is made of. Abraham Lincoln, it was him who first said, The leading rule for a man of everyday calling is diligence. Never put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Abraham Lincoln said that. But that's not the way we think. Perhaps the saddest example of procrastination is found in the life of the Roman governor Felix. I don't know if you've ever uh, uh, read about him in the book of Acts when Paul was talking to him and Paul was speaking to him about faith in Jesus Christ. But as he was discussing righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix became frightened by all this. And he told Paul, he said, go thy way in Acts chapter 24. And he says, when I have a convenient moment... Never again did Felix listen to God's word. Once he had put it off for a time, as with so many things in life, the time never came. We all ought to be more like the psalmist who wrote in Psalms 119, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I delayed not to keep thy commandments. Look at a couple of scriptures here with me. I'll put them up. Luke 9, 62. You know this one. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the... This is Jesus speaking. It's fit for the kingdom of heaven. No one, having put his... Who said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. But they're looking backwards the whole time. God can't use you. He said, no, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. You need to get to a point where you're looking forward. That's, that's the kind of people that I need. I need people that are looking forward. Wife and I were having a discussion yesterday, and we, I was watching sports, and we got to talking about someone who was drafted. I can't remember. And um, she was, uh, oh, I think it was Michael Sam. Yeah, the young man that was drafted, the young man who came out that he was gay and there was a big thing about it, you know. There was more focus on the fact that he was gay than he was a football player. But anyway, that's not my point, uh, is, isn't that. But there, there was so much hoopla about him, and then I think he ended up getting cut. You know, he, he got cut from the football team. My wife said, well, how did he get cut? Didn't he get drafted? She said, well, I thought when you got drafted, that automatically meant, you know, you made the team. And I was saying, well, um, 
you know, not necessarily. You know, that's just, it's like getting called in. You got chosen to come in, you know, for the interview. But you still have to do the work. And if they deem that you're not the right person for the job, you know, they have a lot of stuff to remember. And if you go out there and you, you try it once and you can't do it and, and you try it again and you can't remember what they're telling you. And it's, maybe it's a complicated system and you try it a third time. Sooner or later, they're going to say, listen, you're not fit for this job. We, got, we have so many other people who can step up and do this thing. Well, imagine the Lord saying that. But that's what he's saying. And it's not talking about your ability. He's not talking about your ability, but he's talking about your willingness to look forward. If you're willing to put your hand to the plow and look forward to him, then you're fit for his kingdom. But if you want to look backward, come on, he already told us. Don't ponder on the things of old. He told us that. Romans 1.17 says this. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to what? Faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We are moving forward, saints, from faith to faith. So we are not to remember our failures in the past, but guess what? Forget about those successes as well. Leave those successes where they belong. Learn from them, glory in them for the moment, but now move from faith to faith. There's another level of faith. Listen, you have not arrived just because we had a great service. Because somebody got healed or somebody got saved or because you read your Bible three times this week and you feel like, well, I've arrived now. Well, guess what? There's another faith that we have to move forward to. Faith to faith. And I like the way Moses Vey put it. He says it's faith to faith, but sometimes it's hell in the hallway. You know, moving from faith to faith sometimes can be a struggle. But that's the way we move from faith to faith. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He's transforming us from glory to glory, to glory to glory. He's continuing to lift us up. And so we must continue to move forward. We can never stop. Remember the example of the boat in the water. And the boat doesn't have a sail on it or doesn't have a motor. And if it doesn't have a sail and it doesn't have a motor and you're just sitting there in the boat, you would feel like, well, I'm just sitting here in the boat on the water and I'm staying in the same place. But the longer you sit there, an hour goes by and you look up and now you're way over here. And before you were way over there and you say, well, how did that happen? I don't have a motor. I don't have a sailboat. It's because if you are stagnant, you will go backwards or whatever current is going, it will take you with it. We cannot afford to be stagnant. We must go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Come on, somebody. We must move forward. Listen to some quotes. Bill Keene said this, said, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift from God. That's why we call it the present. Live in the now. Let's live right now. You know, yesterday had some ups and downs, good and some bad. You know, tomorrow, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a mystery. I think I know what might happen, but I don't know. The weatherman predicts the weather, but he don't know. 
Farmer's Almanac said this would be one of the worst winters we ever had, but the, even the Farmer's Almanac doesn't know. I'm still holding on to hope. Keep on going like we're going. Come on. Soren Kierkegaard said this. He said, life can only be understood backward, but it must be lived forward. You understand, your understanding is there because you understand from experience, but you can't live there. The only way you can live is this way. You can only live going forward. Rick Warren, writer of The Purpose Driven Life, said this. We are products of our past, but listen now, we don't have to be prisoners of it. We might be products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Thank God that there is a potter with a wheel and we are that clay on that wheel. And so even if we've messed some things up to this vessel The potter is still shaping us and forming us into what he wants us to be. Bill Cosby said, the past is a ghost. The future is a dream. All we ever have is now. I can't do anything in the past. I might be able to set some things up for the future, but I can't do anything in the future. But I can do something right now. Steve Maraboli said, my past does not define me destroyed me, deterred me, or defeated me. It has only strengthened me. It has only strengthened me. What if there were no church next week because we were too busy to worship God today? And then we we couldn't have church next week. What if God could not hear your prayers tomorrow because you were too busy to pray today? What if there was no Bible tomorrow because you would not read his word today? What if there was no forgiveness tomorrow because you were not thankful for salvation today? Or you didn't forgive someone today, today, while it is called today? What if there was no invitation for you to come to the Lord tomorrow because you did not respond today? What if God never asked you again to do anything for him because when he's asked you before, you didn't do it? heavy to think about, isn't it? As we embark on the journeys of 2015, folks, let us determine ahead of time that it will be a year of victory. Let us determine that we will move forward. Let us choose our own attitudes and follow the advice of the apostle Paul to resolve to forget your past, look beyond the sins and the failures of yesterday, learn from them, repent of them, And then move forward. Let us, number two, focus on our priority. Place God at the top of your to-do list. Every day, worship him. Study his word. Put his kingdom first in your life. And everything else will fall into place. Function in the present, thirdly. Stop living in the future even. Some of us live in the past. Some of us live in the future. Has anyone ever done that? I have in my life. Always living in the future. I'm going to do this. I can't wait to do this. Setting up my budget for our family for, you know, this year and next year and the year after that. And I'm going to do this one. And it's always someday. Always living in the future. Never enjoying the present. Do not put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Amen.